Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Brandon Monroe, Uranium Market Commentator and CEO of Bannerman Resources, an AS, ASX-listed Uranium Junior with assets in Namibia. Now, special one today, we talk about the Nuclear Fuel Report Expanded Summary. Now, this is effectively a summary of the report which uh, the WNA put out in September last year. So no new data per se, but they are sharing and making available information, including charts of some of the uh, key factors that you need to be understanding and thinking about if you're investing in the uranium space or just quite frankly want to understand what's happening in the world of nuclear. So lots of things. We talk about the methodology and various, well, I think three different scenarios. We talk about the secondary supply, uranium supply and demand metrics and uh, conversion enrichment and uh, fuel fabrication. So lots to get through. Enjoy the podcast. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm very well. How about you, Matt? Well, I'm a bit excited. I've seen this report this morning from the WNA, uh, and I suspect you know a thing or two because you're, you're one of the uh, co-chairs of the demand committee. So um, this is the WNA uh, putting an expanded summary of their report from last September. So it's for a point in time, up until that time. There's no new data points in there uh, from September to now, but it looks pretty exciting to me because it seems to be quite a nice summary of um, you know what's going on the supply demand uh, side of things in this market. Yeah it's just hot off the press we've been working on it behind the scenes for some time but now it's just been made public and uh, for people who haven't followed the WNA's nuclear fuel report it's put out every two years and it looks in detail at the whole nuclear fuel supply chain so there's a demand subgroup which I co-chair and that determines what the demand for nuclear fuel will be in this case uh, from 2019 out to 2040 and then it looks at the different aspects of that nuclear fuel supply so there's uranium supply conversion enrichment fabrication um, and it finishes off with a little bit of discussion about how they all come together with supply and demand graphs, which I think are some of the most interesting aspects of this report for investors in this sector. So that's a document that comes out in September and it's available, first of all, to WNA members and otherwise it's available for purchase at a, at a price that I think is very reflective of its value, but it's not particularly accessible to, for instance, retail investors, uh, something like 800 quid so it's it's quite an impost on a retail investor trying to get behind the information there. Okay, but you've now decided to put out this expanded summary, which which is which covers most of the. I mean, not all not all the uh, the, the the juice is given up on on this, but on the main report. But you've you've highlighted and gone through the micro ecosystem that nuclear and and uranium inhabits. And I actually think you guys have done a good job. I mean, for someone who's coming new to this, whether they just be interested parties or investors, it's a really concise summary of, of, of that ecosystem. So I think, you know, well done for that. Um, I mean, I've got to ask the question. So, you know, it's, it's nine months later. So what, what, one, why does it take so long? And then two, what were you hoping to achieve with this document? 
Yeah, so look, first of all, the credit needs to go to WNA Secretariat. They're the people who've done all of the heavy lifting. Um, as you know, I've played a role in the report itself as a member of some of the committees and co-chairing the demand committee, um, and also played a review role and a little bit of touch-ups on this summary. Um, but the hard graft has been done by WNA and Olga Skoliokova in particular. So all credit to her and the team there. Um, so it is uh, staggered, I'd say. I wouldn't necessarily concede a delay because it has been intended to be that way. What WNA were trying to achieve is that the main report in all of its detail and glory is available to members and those who are prepared to pay for it. And obviously there's, uh, there's media and others who receive complimentary copies. And then this comes out with a staggered approach so that uh, the, the information's available for free without diminishing the value proposition for the main report, as I say, for members and those who are paying for it. In terms of what it's achieving, well, it's the first time that WNA's done this. So we're feeling our way a little bit. Um, some of the things that uh, I motivated initially with the concept um, when myself and Olga and some others were throwing around ideas as to how we can add value to the main report was for the investor community, which is one of the audiences that the nuclear fuel report is designed for, what, what it enables is people to get behind the key graphs. So the key graphs have made it into the public domain through WNA presentations. And uh, you would have seen some in Twitter and some companies have picked up the key graphs in their own um, promotional materials. So the Bannerman uh, corporate update, for example, um, Uranium 2020 that's on our website, that includes one of the graphs and it's very useful for us. But it's harder for people or been very hard for people to get behind what's the methodology? What are the three scenarios and what's behind them? How exactly has WNA gone about constructing the supply side, constructing the demand side? What's the thinking behind why some projects are in one category and other projects are in another category? And for the people who really want to get technical, there's quite a lot of discussion about um, load factor methodology and exactly how WNA builds up their demand projections. So um, it's most of what you would need to be able to construct a model. Now, if you buy the full report, then you can, of course, check the WNA numbers um, at a granular level against your own model. But for somebody who's looking in detail at the space, this is now a fully accessible and free version that they can go back to. And whilst it is nine months late or staggered, as I'm prepared to say, uh, look, we're talking about a horizon that goes all the way out to 2040. So I don't think it's lost value because of that. You know, people aren't um, accessing this information and using this information to understand where nuclear is at in 12 months time. This is the industry's view um, for three different scenarios as to where nuclear can be at all the way out to 2040. And that hasn't lost any relevance uh, through the passage of that time. I, I hear what you're saying there. It, it, and I like the fact that it's um, the WNA for the first time making more information accessible. That's great. And I like, I particularly like, sharing the methodology by which they have um, you know, created these different scenarios for you know, nuclear 
uh, electricity generation. So, so all that is, is, is good and to be commended. Um, you know, my, my notes about the WNA, they, they are, this must be quite a move for them because they are quite conservative. They, in, in terms of approach to the market. If I, if I look at the way that uh, the renewables sector comes and bashes them regularly um, and there's no kind of riposte from nuclear, they, they, they are a kind of a quiet voice and perhaps I'd like to see them turn the volume up somewhat, uh, if, if I'm honest. But, um, but how's that, how's that um, affecting their ability to promote nuclear i mean could, do, you, do you think that this document is the, is the first of many or a, a, a renewed or an invigorated approach to getting the story out there is that is that also the point of this document no it's not designed to be a point of the document um wna they are very graceful and poised in the way that they approach things um, and you're not the only person who'd like to see the volume turn up a little bit and bearing in mind that the nuclear sector is one of the most unfairly attacked sectors of any industry in the world. Uh, and the people who've been in this industry for a while, they're just punch drunk to it, to be quite frank. So uh, increasingly, I think you'll see advocates from both inside and outside of the nuclear industry having a bit more to say about where renewables cannot provide the entire solution and where it needs to sit side by side with nuclear but we're not anti-renewables that's a point that needs to come across and that's a lot of the reason why wna doesn't want to be perceived as being an us and them type thing it's an us together situation for the planet to deal with climate change challenges and all of the implications that come with that we need to have every available energy source particularly the carbon free energy sources like nuclear and the low carbon energy sources like renewables, they need to be working hand in hand in the appropriate circumstances and in the appropriate places. And the, the, uh, the opposition that I've got to a lot of the renewables lobbying is the ill-conceived and dishonest uh, advocacy around renewables being able and capable of providing a 100% solution in all situations. It just isn't true and it's totally infeasible. But WNA, as you pointed out, they're a lot more gentle about how they go about things. And uh, so they're, they're more careful about making those statements in that way. Back to your question, um, this is not designed to be a lobbying document. It's not designed to be an advocacy document. It's designed to be a document that puts the facts out on the table as best as the industry can produce those estimates and those facts. So that's why when you read through, you made the comment that you found the, the explanations quite helpful. That's what we've tried to do with this document. Um, WNA does put out some excellent publications for those looking for a, a brochure that they can give to their neighbour who's a bit concerned or confused about nuclear. There's an excellent one called The Sleeping Giant that you can download from their website, bunch of other materials there. And, and someone looking for a policy document or an advocacy document should go to some of those. This is about information, this is about economics, and that's the value of the full report, and to a slightly lesser extent, that's the value of this expanded summary in a more accessible form. Okay, so I think we're, we're agreeing with each other. It, it's a great um, explanation of where uranium and nuclear kind of sits today, using the data 
from September. Mm-hmm. So it's, obviously it's nine months later. Quite a few new events have happened since then, which have affected the market. Does the WNA feel that it should update its data given that these quite ex- extreme and extraordinary events and what it, what it could mean certainly on the supply side because as an investor I'm looking for guidance from someone I'm looking for someone I, I, I kind of like that there's a kind of um, sober approach a conservative approach from the WNA to this because I I hear lots of commentary from there could be funds interested parties commentators company CEOs and they need to they need to tell a certain story because they, the, the model's different, right? They they're either um, need shareholders um, to believe what they're saying or they need to, to raise capital and they need to believe or people to believe that this market is going somewhere soon. The WNA numbers, along with some of the, the, the trade uh, people, are, I think, a little bit more realistic. So, so, I, th- so, so I, li- I like this, but... Don't you think in light of what's happened recently that WNA should be leading from the front, talking about some of these events, what it's going to do to the numbers? It, this comes out every, well, the nuclear report comes out every two years. Don't you think it's time for it to, you know, step up and say, well, look, everyone, don't worry. Things haven't changed that much, or they have, but at least give some kind of guidance. Yeah, look, you've got to ask yourself, what's WNA's role here? This is one of the functions of the organisation. They're not a full-time information provider or consultancy like a, a Platts or one of the other S&P or one of the other specialists in the industry. And the moment WNA starts updating this information for a particular event, well, where do they stop? You know, where do you draw the line as to something that's so significant? What so I'm not advocating within and inside WNA at all for updating. I think uh, people just have to be patient for the next edition to come out. However, having said that, one of the advantages of now putting out this expanded summary with a, a great degree of additional detail versus what's in the public domain is somebody can get behind these numbers and formulate in their own minds their own adjustment for some of these more dramatic events. So my expectation um, personally is that the COVID related supply disruption will take about 20 million pounds out of uh, supply for this year. And as per our um, discussion last week, I think that could well go up if we see certain disruptions extended beyond their initial estimates. Um, So you can look at the key graphs on supply and you can quite easily understand what 20 million pounds less for this year is likely to do to that. And you can get behind the methodology. So whilst it's not quite handing over a model so that you can just plug in new numbers yourself, it's pretty obvious looking at that, what that supply disruption is going to do. And I think that's the value of this tool for not only investors, but all of the other stakeholders and members of the audience that this is trying to reach. Okay, I'll buy that. I think, I think it does make it accessible uh, from that point of view. And you can do some very simple maths. Because there's, there's different types of investors going to be watching this from those who are not yet invested but are slightly curious about this noise that the uh, uranium market is, is creating. Um, but they won't quite know how to go about it. I think the charts in here are, well, well it's, it's great. It's, it's generous, you know. Um, to kind of share that with the public I, and I think for the first time, great. Um, 
there's going to be people who want to be told what to do. There's going to be people who will use it and sort of race around and do their own, own numbers. And some of these newsletter writers can produce some interesting content uh, around that based on some real numbers. Um, and then there's going to be sort of other market commentators who, as usual, have their own their own view on on, on where this is going and, and and the time frame. So, yeah. So I think I think it is uh, it's, it's a very interesting document. I, you know, I did want to speak to you about. Um, what you set out to try and achieve with it and whether, well, here's the question, do you think you've achieved everything that you wanted to achieve when you started writing this? Well, I don't think we can answer that until we've had some feedback. Um, a large part of what WNA was trying to do with putting the expanded summary out was to provide information to people. And if the feedback starts coming back that it's very helpful and it's useful, well, then we can get a lot closer to saying, yeah, we've ticked those boxes and we're happy with the extra effort involved, um, which, of course, was quite substantial. But so let's wait and see. I'm happy with the end product and I hope that it ticks those boxes. Uh, but a large part of it is getting it, getting eyeballs onto this document, getting it explained in addition to the text and getting people to go through it and start uh, a conversation around it. But that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, who did you design this to go to? We, we talked about a bunch of different audiences. Like I'm, I'm focused on investors, right? But there's obviously a wider audience that you perhaps set out to um, help uh, or influence or, um, you know, not so advice, but you know, update with this. I mean, all those different audiences will have different needs. So that's, you know, when you write these things, you've got to have in mind, you know, who's reading it and what you think they want from it. Um, and then, you know, getting feedback. Because there's two ways you can come at it. You can, you, can, you can talk to people and say, what do you need from it? And write it to suit that. Or you can say, actually, our remit is just, just this. We're just, you know, providing raw data for you in a slightly different way. And you'll, all of you will get something from it, but not any one individual will get everything they need from it. So you know, getting feedback is kind of, it's a little bit horse before the cart, isn't it? So it's, it's a good point because this is not a document that's written or prepared primarily for investors. And that, on the one hand, it's very helpful because it makes it impartial and it makes it balanced. And it makes it a document that offers you something different to what you might get from a bank or someone else who's advocating on the investment side in the sector. It's written more for members to understand what's happening in the industry and do their own planning according to trends and form their own view. It's written for policymakers, both within countries that already have nuclear power and countries that are considering nuclear power. It's written for journalists to help straighten out a lot of the facts and hopefully address some of the mistruths about nuclear power. Um, it's written for academics. It's written for students. Um, and it's written for the nuclear power supply chain. So if you're a company who makes widgets and you're hoping to sell X number of these widgets to a company that makes pipes that's hoping to build nuclear power plants, well, this is probably the best document out there for someone like that to understand what their market is likely to look for. So it cuts both ways. It's not honed in on what an investor wants to understand from this and what an investor requires, but equally, you're, getting, you're not getting the varnish that you do on many reports that are written for investors. And you, your point about balance and being impartial, I think there's a point for people to understand here. This is a very balanced document because it's been written by committees who are predominantly 
composed of utilities on the one hand who've got um, an interest in ensuring that this doesn't overstate uh, some of the dynamics for uranium. And on the other hand, there's a number of people from the supply and the development side who have got an interest in making sure the document doesn't understate the case for uranium. And the same can be said for conversion and enrichment and fabrication. So that tension, which I know well, after chairing one of those committees, uh, that tension has ensured that we've come out with a really balanced outcome and something that can be relied on as a very good starting point for investors and more sophisticated investors will then go and try and apply their own judgment, having full understanding and knowledge of what the methodology is behind these numbers. You've kind of answered my next question, which was a bit, given, given the clues, the clues in the title is, 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 is the World Nuclear Association, you know, everyone talks their own playbook. Do you think that you've genuinely achieved a, an impartial and imbalanced view of the world of, of, of nuclear as, as people should see it? You know, I'm saying this in the context of, you know, I don't think you're com combative enough compared to everyone else and compared to gas, compared to to you know other forms of you know re renewable um, you know even even coal quite frankly um, you know these these people have lobbyists and they are talking you know very aggressive games and fighting their corner we've seen that played out with some of the conversations that we've had with utilities you know who who are you know multi energy source utilities um, nuclear seems seems slightly humbled by its past or slightly nervous about its past in having these conversations where you know because of events like well not necessarily Fukushima but certainly Chernobyl or you know Three Mile Island etc you have to apologize slightly before you start a conversation is, is that is that the way it feels it's very Canadian <laughs> um, the, sorry I just couldn't resist they're our closest cousins on humour, the Canadians to the Australians. So, um, you're right. So, I, to answer your question, yes, I do think it's it's come out in a very balanced and impartial way. But remember, we're dealing with the future here. It will necessarily be wrong. That's the only thing it can be. We're hoping it'll only be a tiny bit wrong because by and large, we've made solid assumptions and more importantly, people can understand those assumptions. And with any economic forecast, um, as long as the assumptions are stated correctly, uh, it's up to the reader ultimately to interpret those assumptions, see if they agree with them or not and make adjustments. Um, so it's, it's a forecast, it is delving into the future based on a set of circumstances. But each of those three sets of circumstances which we've grouped into the scenarios, the reference, the lower and the upper scenarios, um, they are based on realities, forward-looking realities. The reference case is based on the current reality not improving and not getting worse. And the current reality, as we all know, for the reasons that you just talked about, particularly since Fukushima, has been tough. Um, tough on the ground, tough with slow policy changes, still a fair bit of taboo at a political level. Um, communities are just starting to come around. But to be fair, nuclear isn't getting the chance to show even a small fraction of what it's capable of doing for the world and achieving in the climate change uh, challenge. So that's the reference case. The lower case means that those uh, demands get harder. 
and the reality is a more difficult reality. And then the uppercase assumes that um, the world and the nuclear industry makes improvements at that, improvements in a policy, um, improvements in economics, and um, achieves at least some of the things positively that the industry is trying to achieve. But it's grounded in reality. It's not a wishful document. Um, it's not an aspirational document. Uh, it's not a, but only if we could achieve this or with all the will that we could do this. So I contrast it very, very heavily with many of the documents and um, policy uh, rhetoric that I see in some of our competitive forms of industry. Um, there are other, uh, both industry and non-industry uh, groups who are putting out much higher scenarios for nuclear demand growth, you know, including um, the likes of IPCC, WAO, UNECE, um, and in fact, the nuclear industry has a harmony project, which is not based on moving from where we are with the current reality. That is based on the, the industry uh, changing or having an influence on the reality in a positive way to enable it to make a bigger contribution to climate goals. So I do think it's impartial and I do think it's grounded in reality, but we are talking about the future. So it's necessarily never going to get everything right. I mean, you, I agree, okay, I agree with that. It, it is grounded in reality. The, the data points are, you know, excellent. And the way that, again, come back to the charts, people should look at this, this document and look at the charts. And, it, you know, it allows you to very quickly see the state of the nation, as it were. There was a flicker. There was a moment in this document where I thought there might be some selling. There might be some upside, you know, some, some ray of sunshine when we talked about, and maybe it's a discussion for another day, but... You talked about harmony, okay? So harmony is a, uh, it's kind of hope. It's a moment of hope. And you go, well, can nuclear provide 25% of global energy needs at some point in the distance, right? And then, and then the hope was crushed because then said, well, we're going to need to treble our current um, production infrastructure and, and so forth. In the same breath, they then talked about the lack of investment at uranium, for uranium mining since 2016, um, or 2014 to today. Uh, the lack of investment in any of the required infrastructure to get the uranium sector, let alone the nuclear sector, um, moving again, which is obviously the, the supply side of the, the, the document. And I encourage people to look at that because um, it's fascinating the drop-off in investment and the access to capital capital to do that as we you know know in, in, in today's market and then it goes very quickly on into the billions and billions of dollars which are going to be needed to be um, raised um, and the infrastructure built in a market which is again stru struggling I, th I think in the Western world, in places that we talked about, you know, USA and, and Europe investing in new plants or upgrading plants, etc., compared to what's going on in China or even the Middle East, quite frankly. So it, it, I just thought there was a moment there that WNA might try and propose a way forward, bring other associations in, you know, energy associations in, governments in, and try and get some sort of collective movement. But that. I know it's a big task. It would be a big effort required, and maybe it's not within the WNA's 
remit. But I think it would be really interesting to talk about what, between you and me, what we think it would take to deliver harmony as described by the WNA. Yeah, and there's a lot in that. There really is a lot in that. And there's a lot that's being done. This isn't the document for um, explaining fully what needs to be done with harmony. And I think I'm glad that you asked me and we discussed the audience before you asked this question, because uh, whilst you say that we're crushing hopes with the way that that's been written, it's also a little reality check for policymakers that uh, if you want to deal with climate crisis, these are some of the things that we need to be dealing with. We need to be, as policymakers and as global citizens, we need to be addressing some of these things that make nuclear more capable. We know that the technology is there to be able to provide 25% of the world's electricity. We know that industry can respond. It just needs the same build rate of nuclear power plants that we had in the 80s. So that can definitely be done. It's, it's policy enablers predominantly. It's levelling the playing field. Um, it's ensuring that there's, um, for example, some of the design specifications uh, there, you don't have nuclear power plants needing to have one design for the US, another design for California, another design for Canada, another design for France, et cetera, et cetera. Those sort of things can be addressed relatively easily um, in the context of the challenge that the world is trying to respond to. So let's let's pick that up in a, in a separate conversation because it is a good one. And the other thing in, in what you said that I'd just like to pick you up on is you said the little ray of sunshine with harmony. Uh, I reckon you need to, I know that you've only had this for a very short period of time, this document, but go back and have a look at those graphs. If you're a uranium investor and you're looking for sunshine in this document, you've got enough there to get sunburnt Australian style, really. Like you, you look at the concept of unspecified supply and how much uranium is gonna need to come on particularly from 2025 onwards, by 2030, by 2040, there is a lot to be excited about as a uranium investor set out in an impartial, balanced way from deep within the industry itself with a whole bunch of utilities sitting across the table who've got no interest in paying more than they need to for uranium. Uh, there's plenty of sunshine here. I, I think maybe what you're referring to with the with the harmony is it's it's gone beyond sunshine and it's, uh, you know, the... the you're looking for the skies to open in a very heavenly way. And if we can achieve harmony as an industry, well, that's exactly what will happen, I guess. We shall see. We shall see. Look, I, you know, congratulations to everyone involved in the report. Um, you know, I, can, I had to rush through it this morning to be able to get, get you on the line to be able to get this out uh, today. Uh, I suspect this will be our weekly, uh, weekly catch-up because it's, 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 it's a good, meaty subject. I'd love to come back to the harmony component. Um, I think I've, I've learned a few things in here, just in terms of, you know, the or, order of play, uh, quite frankly. And, and so the, the, the charts are fantastic. And to be sharing that with the public for, for the first time, I hope it's the first of many. And I say, with, with the, I'll be sure to give you my feedback once I've read it again. Because um, like I say, I would love to see the WNA kind of doing more, doing more. Um, than it's doing now. Isn't that the name of the game? 
Yeah, look, I think you've, you've got to be a bit fair there. They're doing a lot and they're doing some great work at a policy level. I know, but you've um, got to ask. You've got to ask for more. If you don't ask for more, you won't get. So uh, they can choose not to. But okay. I've got, we've got to be demanding Please as investors. More. <laughs> Please, sorry. Exactly. As investors, we always want more. You should know that by now, Brandon. <laughs> okay, more to come. Brilliant. Looking forward to that. Okay, well, thank, thanks for um, making time to run through this. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you next week, um, maybe on Harmony, maybe on something else. Hopefully there's um, more, more news and more feedback on social media once everyone's had time to digest this over the weekend. Yeah, terrific. And look, it's, it's been wonderful to come on. And I think you know that I'm in no way a spokesman for WNA. That's not my role here. I'm an industry participant who's privileged to have been quite involved in the process and just passionate about what I'm doing. So hopefully I haven't overstepped the mark there or crossed any lines, but it was, it was great to talk and talk about something that's been a, a quite a big part of what I've been doing for the last couple of years. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.